praise the Lord for His goodness. How many of you enjoyed the little children doing their thing? I'll tell you, sometimes we get more out of the little children's mistakes than some uh, than we do out of the preaching on purpose sometimes. I pray that would not be the case today, but uh, it is always, always a blessing. Someone once said, no one in the church, praise the Lord, said, you're brainwashing those kids. Uh, so's Hollywood. Uh, so are the evolutionists. So is the homosexual crowd. So we'll, we'll wash their brains with something that will clean it. Amen. And it will help them. And it will give them something to base their life upon that is not subject to the whim and fancy of men. And of course, today is the Sunday before Memorial Day. And of course, what does Memorial Day mean? It's the beginning of summer break, right? No, it's the time to barbecue. I even could get that with a Brooklyn accent. But uh, I'll tell you what, that, that's not what Memorial Day is supposed to be about. And uh, Memorial Day is a day of remembrance. And I'll tell you, anyone that has served in the military of the United States, we... Uh, we usually do this, and, and I, I'm looking out. Do we have any members of the military with us? If you do, if you've served in the United States military, would you just stand for just a few seconds? We've got a couple here. Oh, good. All right. Could we give a round of applause to those who have served? Now, we don't do applause here very often. Uh, if you want to praise God, you say Amen. But when you want to honor people, that is the American way to honor people. And so we want to honor those that have served. And we also want to remember those that can't stand. Those that are buried in battlefields all over the world. I, I, I like the words of Colin Powell. He said, the only thing America has ever asked for is from a nation on whose soil it's fought as a place to bury its dead. I don't know who his speechwriter is, but uh, I'd like to congratulate that person for picturing the American spirit as it truly is. I don't know any other nation in the history of the world that has the power this nation has done and yet has used it not to enslave the world, but to try to give a measure of freedom. I'm not saying America's done everything right. Uh, I'm not saying I've done everything right. How about you? But we do need to give honor and respect where it is due. And that's what Memorial Day is about. Have you ever wondered where we got the idea for Memorial Day from? Now everybody knows where I'm going. It came from the Bible. This idea of remembering and having a memorial and having uh, things to remind us is a biblical, is instituted, is a biblical idea and practice and was instituted by God because if there's anything about our human existence we should be very familiar with, it is our ability to forget. Isn't that awful? I am finally getting old enough that I have a little bit of an excuse to be forgetful. Another 10 years or so, I'll finally be over the hump and I'll be able to say, ah, it's just age. That's why I forget everything. No, you know why we forget things most of the time? It's because we have too many things going on in our life. The reason why we take a holiday to remember is because it takes time to remember. Uh, a year or so ago, I have an uncle that's turning 90 in June. And uh, by God's grace, we'll go to visit him. He is in Maryland on his 90th birthday, and I'm looking forward to that and seeing the family. But uh, he went through and wrote a book of remembrance and sent it to all the family members. 
The only problem is the things he remembered weren't quite the things my dad remembered and taught me. Uh, some of the dates were a little off, and, 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 and his youngest sister, the only two members of my father's family still living, she said, now, when I pass on, I said, Aunt Lucy, you're only 70 years old. And she said, well, I want you to do my funeral, and so I'm going to have to sit down. And I said, now, when, when I do that, I want to make sure I have the dates right, and I want to have, so I'm going to sit down with her right before we celebrate her 70th birthday, and, and get all those dates and things put down because we forget. We forget so easily. I don't remember who said it, but the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. And a lot of truth in that statement. But you can't be vigilant if you don't remember. Why do you think they no longer teach true American history in our schools? It's because they don't want you to remember that this nation was founded on the Ten Commandments. That it was founded not upon men who were members of a specific religious order, but men who believed that you should have the freedom to worship God or not worship God as you choose. By the way, do you know that ideal came from the Bible as well? God is not a God who... The God of this book called the Bible is not a God that forces you to worship Him. He gives every person that was ever born a choice. You can choose to follow the Word of God, or you can choose to reject it. Now, there are consequences for rejecting it. God is very plain. Jesus spoke 13 times about hell for every one time he mentioned heaven in his speeches that we have recorded in the Scripture. God is not minimizing the ramifications of disobedience by giving you a choice to disobey. We all still together. And so what I want us to do is look at a few things in the Bible, just some thoughts on what a memorial is and what it ought to be, how God instituted a, a memorial, and how you and I should live in the light of those truths that are in the Scriptures. And first place we're going to go is Leviticus chapter 2. Now, Leviticus is one of those books when you get there in your daily Bible reading going, oh, no, not Leviticus again. But Leviticus teaches us so many things about God. In verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of Leviticus, I'm going to read through verse 3. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon, and he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and he shall take thereout his handful of flour thereof and of the oil thereof with all the frankincense thereof, and the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his son. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. Now, as we look and read these verses... When you were to offer a meat offering, and that is the term that is used, not of the flesh of the animals as we are talking about, but meat was the flour that they made bread with. Uh, the main item of food in those days was bread. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, because that was your basic meal, breakfast, supper, lunch if you had such. Uh, and when there was an offering made, there was part of that offering that was a meat offering or a flour offering. 
and they were to pour a specific amount of oil on top of that as prescribed in the law, and then to put just a little bit of frankincense or uh, the uh, sweet-smelling spice there on top. And the priest would take that container or that bag with the flour, that bowl that held the offering, and he would reach his hand in there, and he would scoop up the flour mixed with the oil, and he was to make sure that when he did that, he got all the frankincense, that none of that was to be left in the flour. And he was to take the memorial, the handful, and burn it on the altar as a sweet savor to the Lord. Now, what was the rest of that flour supposed to be for in oil? Well, he was to take that home to the missus, and that's what they were to live off of. You see, a memorial is a small part of a greater thing. But the purpose of a memorial, as we have it here outlined for us in the law of God, was to make provision for others. The priest, whose duty it was to offer the sacrifices, could not be out tilling the ground and raising the food as he would have been doing to provide for his family. He was in the tabernacle. He was consecrated as a priest. He was not allowed to leave the building as long as he was consecrated and serving. And so God made a way through this, if we want to call it the memorial system, to provide for his family food so that he would be free to labor in the service of the Lord. Memorials are meant to provide something for someone else. We'll get into the greater application, but how many men and women who have served this country gave themselves as a very small part of our nation so that the rest of us could enjoy the blessings of liberty and freedom. Could we say amen to that? I mean, it fits the Bible picture perfectly. The Bible is the basis of our lives. And as we look at what goes on around us and how our society has been built, I'm glad that it's always been just the small remnant that have had to pack their bags and go through training and leave this country and fight the battles. Even in World War II, every family knew someone who was serving. But for every man actually on the front lines, there was at least 10, and depending on what their actual work was, there was as many as 15 or 20 behind the lines supporting them so that those that could had to be on the front line could do the things that they had to do. This memorial system God set up so that there would be a greater provision. One man's offering would provide for the entire family of the priest. Memorials are wonderful things because it is just a small, when we look at the big picture, a small part that is given so that many could be blessed. Amen? Let's go back in our Bible to Exodus chapter 12. A memorial is to allow provision for the priest. Exodus chapter 12, the children of Israel have been enslaved in the land of Egypt for over 400 years. This is the last night they will spend in Egypt, the night of the Passover. 
and God is explaining the rules and the regulations. And by the way, when Jewish people today gather together to celebrate the Passover, the great majority of what they do is based upon what is written right here in the book of Exodus. Uh, there are other traditions that have entered in, and of course, with no temple and no altar to offer the sacrifices on, there's no lamb and there's no, uh, uh, the, there's no blood poured out at the altar because there hasn't been one since 70 A.D. But the Jewish Seder table will have a lamb bone to remember what was done. Because they want to be connected as much as possible as what happened here almost 1,800 years before Jesus was born in the land of Egypt as God instituted the Passover. And we go down to chapter 12 and verse 14, and this is what God says. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Now, God is telling the Jewish people here as they're gathered in the land of Egypt, as they're preparing to leave, they have no idea that the Red Sea crossing is going to happen. They have no understanding of all of these things as of yet. But... By morning, they'll understand one thing. If the blood of that lamb was not painted upon the doorpost of their house, somebody died. The firstborn died. It was a night of horrible pain and death to all of those who did not obey the ordinance of God. Now, the word ordinance means an ordained or an ordered set of rules. God said, this is how you're going to keep the Passover. And chapters 12 and 13 of the book of Exodus give us the basis of all of those things. A memorial, a small part of the calendar, a week, to remember the great works of God. That's what a memorial is. It was to make provision for the priest. It was to remember the things that only God could do. I'm glad when I stand behind this pulpit today, I can tell you that only God can save a soul. You don't get saved by joining the church. You don't get saved by showing up. You don't get saved by becoming a member. You have to have that thing settled before you can become a member. And there's been occasion where people have said, Pastor, I believe I'm saved and we're properly baptized and we accepted them into membership of the church. And later on, they would uh, uh, begin to examine things and say, Pastor, I don't think I was ever saved. Hey, we want you to make sure of that. And when they do and they say, you know, I, I, I thought I understood, but I didn't, I do now. And they get saved then they'd have to get baptized and become a member of the church, somebody said, I'd be embarrassed. I'd rather be embarrassed than miss heaven. Amen. But only God saves souls. We want to remember that. We want to make a big deal about that. And Passover is a picture of salvation. In the New Testament, Jesus gave us a memorial to remember the work of the cross. We call it the Lord's Supper. And uh, if you look it up in any religious encyclopedia, they'll have uh, transubstantiation, consubstantiation, and a memorial. Now, we being Baptists, we like the simple way out, amen, uh, as long as it's biblical. And if we go to, let's just take a moment and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Twice, as Paul is ordering the way that the Lord's Supper is to be celebrated. And we'll just start our reading in verse 23. We'll read through verse 26. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. The next phrase, read it out loud with me if you would. This do 
Let's try that again. This do in remembrance of me. Verse 25, and after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it. All right, let's do that together. In remembrance of me. Verse 26, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. It is a memorial. When Jesus was on the cross, the three greatest words in all of history in Hebrew, of course, it was only one word. It is finished, were uttered. I have no understanding, no comprehension why every religion in the world is trying to finish what Jesus said was finished on the cross. Somebody said, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you go to most churches and they'll tell you, if you'll come to our religion and be a part of us and do what we say and and get born in the church and married in the church and buried in the church, maybe someday you'll have a chance of seeing heaven. Well, Jesus said, I've come unto you that I may give you life and that life more abundantly. Amen. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. If you have eternal life, then where is the hope so wondering, trying to figure out whether you have it or not? The Bible says in in 1 John, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You know, it would be sad to have a memorial put up a big marble monument and have a big service there on Memorial Day and somebody says, well, what are you memorializing here? Um, Well, you know, we rightly don't know. But somebody thought it'd be a good idea to put this thing up and so we gather together and we have a little service here. A memorial without a connection to reality is the biggest bunch of nonsense known to mankind. A memorial must be connected to reality. It must be connected to something that actually happened. How many of you have heard some great story of some great feat, and you say, wow, I'd like to research that a little more and found out it was part of an historical novel? Oh, I I don't know about you. This is just my opinion. I hate historical novels. Let me read the real facts about real people that really lived. Because it's much better than anything you can make up, my friend. We do not need to make things up. And yet, in the religious realms, what do most people do? They make things up. How many of you remember St. Patrick, the preacher of Ireland? How many of you know St. Patrick was actually born in Scotland? He was. He was captured by the Irish and held as a slave there several years. And when he got set free and sent back home, he said, I must take the gospel to those people that enslaved me. St. Patrick only baptized by immersion after a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. No matter what you want to call it historically, that is Baptist doctrine. The first Catholic missionary did not make it to the British Isles until about three or four hundred years after St. Patrick was already dead and gone. But in order to beatify or beautify, whatever that is called, the Catholic process of making someone a saint, they said that St. Patrick had cut himself and that a tree had grown out of the cut and that was the miracle that he was supposed to have performed in order to become a saint. 
let me tell you something. St. Patrick didn't drive the snakes out of Scotland, uh, maybe the, uh, out of Ireland, maybe the two-legged varieties, amen? Because uh, when you get saved, you can't live that way anymore. St. Patrick was a preacher of the gospel. We make up things so that we can memorialize something that never existed. That's pretty tragic now, isn't it? The biblical principle is that a memorial must be connected to reality. And that it, in a small way, remembers the great act that was done. Memorials are spoken of, as we have looked here in the Bible, about God's work in salvation. And He has given us Passover to picture that. And we call, the, we call it the Lord's Supper to picture what Jesus has done, that our sins may be forgiven. And let me tell you something, you, need, you should remember every day what Jesus has done to save your soul. And if He hasn't, you can get saved before you leave this place today. That's not a difficult thing to do because Jesus did all the work. Amen? Amen. But how many of you know that God actually memorializes the work that human beings have done? Let's turn to Mark chapter 14. A memorial was to allow provision for the priest and his family. A memorial was a remembrance of the great and incomparable works of Almighty God. But God also allowed this thing of a memorial to be a reminder of extraordinary human effort. I don't know that. I've, I've struggled with how to word this because it's really not. It, it actually should be extraordinary surrender to the will and power of God would be a better way to put it. Because it is not human effort that produces these things. It is what the human being produces when under the influence, direction, and empowering of God himself. And in Mark chapter 14 is the story of the woman that broke the alabaster box and anointed Jesus' feet in Bethany. We believe her to be Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. That this Mary here committed an act of extraordinary worship. And in verse 9, Jesus summarizes this thing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. This word memorial is only used three times in our New Testament. Twice of this woman, and the third time we'll examine in just a moment, But here is Jesus Christ himself speaking. He says, if we will go back and read the entire story, that she had anointed him for his burial. She understood that unlike Lazarus, who came out of the grave in four days, that Jesus was going to die. She may not have understood all the things of the resurrection, at this point, she soon would. But she took something that was extremely valuable. Someone said it must have been her life savings. It would have been about the equivalent of a year and a half's salary. Put that in modern terms. You make $40,000 a year. We're talking about a $60,000 object. That in... Just a few moments of time was used in a way that it could never be used again. In fact, it says the fragrance filled the room. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but if you're sitting in a restaurant and you're trying to enjoy your food and uh, somebody comes along that believes that, uh, that foo-foo water is to be used to bathe in, uh, if you're familiar with what I'm talking about, and I mean the whole plate <coughs> gets just full of the aroma. Uh, you can't taste your food. You can't enjoy anything anymore because all you can smell is whatever came out of that bottle. Well, that's what happened at this feast. I mean, it became the total center. And what she did focused everybody's attention on Jesus Christ. What was he going to do about this? I mean, what would you do if somebody came up and quote-unquote, as Judas said, wasted $60,000 in just a few moments on you? Wouldn't your response to what happened all of a sudden become the most important thing in the room? And here was Jesus' response. That wherever this gospel, wherever my story is told, they're going to tell her story too. And it's going to be a remembrance or a memorial of her. The most extraordinary act of worship recorded in the scriptures outside of heaven. And God commemorated that and said it's going to be a memorial. And let me just touch on one thing. How many of you have ever visited an old, broken down, unkept cemetery? And you get walking through there and... Sometimes you kick something and it'll be an American flag buried in the grass. The lawnmower's been over it 10 or 20 times and there'll be one of those bronze stars attached to it and there lies a Civil War soldier or even a Revolutionary War soldier and it's been neglected. That's not the purpose of a memorial, my friend. A memorial was a place to gather and to remember. And Jesus said, I want you to gather and remember what this woman did in sacrifice, in worship towards me, because wherever the gospel is spoken of. Now, I want to ask you a question, and this will sound a little strange at first, maybe. But you see... We can't go back and recreate what this woman did. Jesus no longer walks the earth. He is no longer preparing for Calvary's suffering and shame. It's already been completed. How could we have a part in this? Here's how. Through the memorial system. By gathering together and remembering what she did, we, in a very small way, get to be a partaker of her actions and her deeds. That's how memorials work. You can't put on the uniform and go to a foreign battlefield and die for your country, maybe. I found out several years ago, I don't think I'm too old, but... They do, and that's probably a good thing for both of us. Would not want to be a hindrance to what is going on. But let me tell you something. I want to honor those in any way that we can. One more. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. story of Cornelius, the first Gentile that is saved, the first Gentile to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We get down to verse 4. Cornelius sees a vision, and when he looked on him, verse 4, chapter 10, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms 
are come up for a memorial before God. It says here that this man Cornelius was chosen of God to be the first Gentile to hear the gospel message and be saved. And it says that the reason he was chosen was because his alms, his giving, and his prayers were come up for a memorial before God. It tells us the God of heaven is evaluating our prayer life, our giving, all of these things that we do. And when he came time to evaluate Cornelius, if we understand, who was not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, he'd never heard the gospel message. God says, I'm going to pick you to be the first. Because I've seen your prayers and your giving and I'm going to give you the first opportunity to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Could we say that the two that are mentioned in the New Testament as being memorialized, the first was Mary for her extraordinary act of worship. The second was Cornelius, for his extraordinary daily devotions to God. Why was it extraordinary? Well, number one, Cornelius didn't have a Bible. He could not hold God's Word in his hand. It was the Jewish Scriptures, and they, contrary to popular belief, were not translated into Greek or any other language at this time. They belonged to the Jewish people, and the Jewish people wanted them kept that way. So the only thing that Cornelius would have really known about God was what he gained by talking to Jewish people and by listening because as a Gentile, as a Roman soldier, he would not be welcome in the synagogues. Gets a little closer to home when we have someone memorialized for daily devotion to God. Now, we have just three thoughts here this morning, and I don't pretend that they're connected other than in my mind, and I hope in yours as well. But the three points that I'd like to bring out about memorials is, number one, we went to the book of Leviticus and we found out that the memorial system was developed by God to make provision for the priest and his family so he would have freedom to serve God. The second part of that was... The memorial system was developed as a remembrance of the great works of God. And the third was a reminder of the extraordinary accomplishments of human beings when under the influence and direction of Almighty God. Now, the whole course of preaching in the Scriptures and what it's all about is teaching with an application. Is there something for you and something for I to do? Now, what I ask is, number one, do you have any memorials? Is there anything going on in your life that is making provision for others as the memorial did for the priest and his family? You know, we live in the I generation. You know, we have iMacs and iPhones and iPods and iPads and I this and I that. And everything is about me. And I'm not against those things. But I am against this idea that it's all about me. That it's all about you. Because it's not. It's all about Him. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. God has made many ways for us to be a memorial. For our lives to be a living representation to make provision for others. If I, want, if, if I want anything about my life, I want it to be that people could look at me and say, 
There's no way he could do that unless God helped him. I believe that's one of the reasons God paid for our building for us. I had one preacher said, tried to say one time, well, Pete Montoro's good at raising money. No, I'm not good at raising money. But God is good at paying off his bills, amen? And just to put it in context for those who don't know our story, in a little less than seven years, God paid for this building totally cash, $763,000. And in the ten, uh, eight years after that, we have given all that money back to missions on top of it. Now take a look around you. Holiday weekend, our attendance is down a little bit, but not that much. Only God could take credit for that. And that's what we want our church and our individual lives to be about. That's the memorial system, is to make provision for others. Nearly a third, almost a third of our income does not do anything here at the church. It goes out each month to missionaries and mission projects and church planners and Bible college and all of these things that we support. Why? Because we want our church to be a memorial, to draw people's attention, to make provision for others. Are you, in your life, giving honor to the great works that only God can do. Very simply, when's the last time you told somebody how you got saved? That's what it's about now, isn't it? Only God can save a soul. My brother called me up late one night and he said, Pete, I've been witnessing to this guy at work and tell him how he needs to get saved. And every time I tell him how he needs to get saved, he said, it just feels like the Holy Spirit of God's telling me I need to be saved. And then I went through, I think it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and we spent about an hour on the phone. We couldn't get together. He was, we were separated by many miles. But he prayed and asked Jesus to save him that night. When's the last time you told somebody how they could be saved? How many of us even know how to tell someone how to be saved? That's what the memorial is all about, my friend. And the last one, you see... We all like the thought of being able to accomplish something extraordinary. Do we not? Does that not just appeal to who and what we are? I mean, realize your inner best self and actualize all of these things that are out there and, you know, turn your lemons into lemonade and all that kind of stuff. The only problem is, they never, I never have found out where you're supposed to get the lemon squeezer the pitcher, the sugar. I mean, when I had a bowl of lemons, none of those things just seemed to be available at the moment. We like the idea of doing something extraordinary. But how many of us would settle for being part of the crowd that gathers to remember the extraordinary things that others have done. I want to challenge you that one without the other is basically nothing. If you have great deeds that were done, extraordinary acts, and nobody knows about them, nobody records them, nobody takes note of them, nobody pays any attention... It's not part of the memorial system. And that doesn't mean that they're not worth remembering. Oh, I wish we knew many of the unsung, unnamed heroes of our history here in this country. 
the many thousands that gave their lives and no one knew or cared a bit. But without their sacrifice, the ones that did the extraordinary things would have never been able to accomplish it. I'm not here to preach about you doing something extraordinary. Because if we'll look around us, most of us will never get there. I doubt any of us will ever get there. And if you do, it will be by the grace of God, not by anything you have done or planned or tried to do. Have you ever met anybody that has tried to do something extraordinary? Uh, we usually put that in the Guinness World Book of Records, the list of freaks, uh, strange people, nutcases. I mean, who cares how many years you can live on top of a pole? I just don't care. Not going to memorialize that. But what I would like to do is join the command of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what Mary did just days before Jesus was crucified. Amen? What I'd like to do is gather and remember that this man named Cornelius of the Italian band, who had no hope of salvation, no way to know God... But he saw the faith and the God of Israel and said, that's what I want, and began to pray and to give to that God until that God revealed his word to him and Cornelius was saved. That's extraordinary. Why? Because God said it was. Are you making provision? For others. That's the way the memorial is supposed to work. Are you giving honor to God for the great works that he has done? And yes, don't pray, don't pray God never used me for something extraordinary. But forget about you trying to be extraordinary and memorialize those whom God has deemed worth memorializing in this word in our daily life and walk. That's how we live what is a memorial. It doesn't hurt to have some physical things to remind us of the great works of God. That's why God gave us this book called the Bible. Amen. That's why God has instituted the local church. These are things he wants us to do. The question is, where are you? This could be a whole other sermon and we won't just but touch on it. One of the easiest things to do is change the definitions. That's what's going on in most modern Christianity today. Extraordinary worship is the loudest rock band in town. No. We're just copying the world, my friend. Let's copy what's in the scriptures. There's nothing exciting. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up in the morning and just, Oh, great day. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Give me my Bible so I can read. And Now, if you get up that way, praise God. Me, I'm like an old diesel. It takes quite a bit to get started. But listen. God said that his daily devotions had come up for a memorial. It's easy to be a Lone Ranger Christian. Ride into town on your white horse, solve everybody's problems, and then ride out. It's hard to live every day 
as God would have you to live around people who know what's really going on in your life. But isn't that in and of itself an extraordinary feat? Because it can only be accomplished through the work of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, I pray that as we look at the celebrations and the things going on, that we would not forget to give honor to whom honor to say thank you for those that have served. But Lord, I pray more earnestly that we would look to our own lives and how we are living and ask you if our life is making provision for others as the memorial did at the altar in the Old Testament tabernacle. Lord, that we would truly remember the great things that you have done and give honor to you for what only you could do. And Lord, that we would keep our eyes off of ourselves and recognize the extraordinary things that you have done through the lives of others. And be willing to take that small part in serving you, as in drawing others' attention to you through the life of others. Lord, I pray that you would deal with us individually and distinctly this morning, that you may be honored and glorified in the changes that you would make in our lives this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz is going to come lead us in the